0: Good afternoon, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, on behalf of the rest of the Kanishai team, I would like to start by uh, thanking the organizers of the of the event, of course, uh, for the invitation to participate uh, in this very uh, important and uh, wonderful conference. Um, and. Um, Moving on to, uh, I would just like to start by making a very brief uh, explanation uh, about uh, the archaeological site, and then we will move on to the current uh, issues that uh, are affecting uh, its, uh, its conservation and protection. And then finally, I will show what we have been uh, working with Uh, towards minimizing this uh, um, damage that has been uh, affecting the the, the site itself and also the uh, Basian Valley or Basian Basin where it is uh, located. So, the, the, the Kanish archaeological Project is the result of a cooperation between scholars, uh, researchers actually, from the University of Coimbra, uh, myself and uh, my colleague André Tumé from Portugal, and uh, Steve Renat from the University of Pennsylvania. It is uh, a relatively small project in terms of uh, funding, but not in terms of ambition. Uh, and uh, which was started in 2011, um, so four years ago, and has been running ever since thanks to these uh, small grants that we've managed to, um, to get from both Portuguese and also uh, American institutions. Uh, Kanishai, the site itself, is uh, located in the Basin Valley or the Basin Basin. Uh, which is a, a, a small uh, valley entrenched between the Baranand Hills uh, to, the, to the east, uh, which you can see actually from the, the university here, and the Karadag mountain range towards, towards the west, which really marks the boundary uh, into the Chemchemal Plain, if you go from Suleimania in, in the direction of Kirkuk. Um, the, the, the site is located in the, almost in the very center of the valley, as you can see on the map, close to, very close to one of the easiest paths across the, the Baranand Hills, the, the, the so-called Tasluja Pass, which is a, a, nowadays a, also a checkpoint uh, on the road. So it's got, it has a very central position uh, in that respect. Um, The archaeological site consists of um, a a 15 meter high mound and uh, a small, low extension to to the north towards where the the cars are facing um, that we call the lower town. Uh, The entire site covers actually slightly less than one hectare, so it's really small in terms of, uh, uh, on average, comparing to the other uh, sites in the region while the main mound itself is only uh, approximately 60 meters in diameter. Uh, Despite its small size, uh, Kanisha is actually uh, one of the most prominent and largest sites in the Basin Valley. Um, We started the excavation uh, there uh, at the site in 2013 following a small survey conducted in 2012. In 2014, we unfortunately had to cancel our field work due to hysees being advancing towards our bill at the time and we have resumed fortunately work in 2015 and just uh, 2 months ago so we just finished our third excavation campaign so far in terms of uh, what uh, archaeological uh, in terms of the archaeological remains we have excavated important early bronze age levels in the area which is um, uh, marked on the, on the plan uh, on the top of the mounds, uh, which in turn have revealed a wide variety of painted pottery styles. Uh, some of them are completely unknown or very poorly understood. So it has been quite important, the, the research that we have been conducting here to assess this, uh, this, uh, this, this early peri- period. Um, we, have, we have also found uh, uh, a number of seal impressions that seem to attest important interactions between Kanishai Uh, the southern Mesopotamian territories and southwestern Iran during this first half of the third millennium B.C. Uh, In a step trench that you can see on the image that we have placed in the southern southern slope, we have also identified possibly uh, an uninterrupted sequence during the entire fourth millennium B.C., which is quite interesting. And it seems that by this time, uh, the site seems to have been most likely uh, a local administrative center, as it is indicated by the presence of typical Southern Mesopotamian uh, Uruk style pottery, some large scale architecture, and also by the discovery of an, an interesting seal-impressed numerical tablet that dates to this period, which is the one you've seen in the cover of the, of the presentation. Um, finally, this year, in a partnership we have managed to establish with uh, Mustafa Ahmed, the same uh, Mustafa Ahmed that was mentioned by uh, John McGuinness, uh, he's working uh, uh, in his project uh, from Lyon University and the EFPO. We have uh, placed a couple of trenches in the so-called lower town and it was possible to confirm that Kanishai, uh, in particularly in its lower extension, was also occupied at length, at least during the new Assyrian, the Parthian, the Sasanian, and also the Islamic period, which is quite surprising for such a small site. Um, these preliminary results that you can see here for our, in our preliminary site periodization show that uh, uh, this interesting um, occupation in the upper town from the, at least the late Ubaid, uh, until the early Bronze Age and seems to be almost completely uninterrupted. And uh, uh, also regarding the, the, the lower town, you can see uh, also that we have uh, attested occupation from the Neo Assyrian, Late Parthian, Sasanian, Early Islamic until the uh, Ottoman period. So quite a long uh, sequence uh, of, of chronology. Now moving on to the uh, issues that we have been dealing with. Uh, As you can see, since uh, 2012, we have been facing quite a few challenges in terms of site protection. Um, First, and certainly the most damaging one, has been ongoing soil extraction from the site which, if you take into account its relatively small size, uh, these activities become particularly damaging. Uh, This cut, for instance, already clearly visible already in the first time that we visited the site, has destroyed uh, considerable parts of uh, late Ubaid occupation on the lower levels. Um, We have also found out from U.S. military maps that the site was temporarily occupied by military vehicles during wartime, as you can see indicated by the tanks. It's exactly the place where Kanishai is is located. And this has probably contributed to aggravate the erosion on its northern slope, since that is the only way to actually access the top of the mound with a vehicle. And that that site is, uh, is severely eroded. Um, from this ortho uh, mosaic, so auto photo, combined orthophotos from the air taken with a drone, you can see that uh, uh, another issue we have been dealing with is agricultural intensification in its vicinity, which has clearly uh, damaged the lower town since the, the farmer insists on continuing to plow that area. Um, it has almost entirely destroyed the Islamic occupation uh, and uh, uh, actually it has almost reached the very top of the mound. So those levels um, have been considerably damaged. Um, every year uh, we face new greenhouses being built surrounding the site, some of which as you can see uh, uh, the ones that are marked on the, on the, on the photo are actually violating the mandatory buffer zone that's required by by law, um, in terms of uh, distance to archeological sites. But this issue does not only affect, it's not only problematic to the site itself, but it also affects the entire valley. Uh, As it is possible to see from this corona imagery from 1969, uh, this part of the valley was, uh, as expected, almost uh, completely depopulated uh, back then. Moving forward to 2013, uh, it becomes clear, uh, this emerging trend towards uh, intensive uh, land exploitation with greenhouses, but also with some uh, industrial facilities. In 2015, and even more so this year, I don't have a picture from this year uh, to show you that, but uh, uh, I can tell you that even more greenhouses, this is a view with the drone from the south facing um, southeast, so the south of the valley. Um, I believe we have reached, at this point, uh, the situation is out of control. Uh, so there is completely uncontrolled development uh, uh, in the, the placement of greenhouses in the valley. Um, And uh, as a result, a considerable part of the ground of the valley, of the the soil of the valley, has been almost uh, completely covered by these uh, installations. Among other issues that you can imagine uh, easily, this will, for instance, greatly affect any future survey works. And there hasn't been any systematic survey yet conducted in the Basian Valley. So it is still yet to be done, which will now will be really difficult Uh, with this uh, amount of greenhouses. Another issue is the presence in this relatively small uh, valley. I mean, uh, it's it's only 10 by 30 30 kilometers uh, of four massive cement plants and their uh, related quarries uh, and other large industrial facilities, uh, such as an oil refinery uh, and, and so on. You can see from this map that they are mostly located on the northern part of the valley, but there's a new one, the Gasin cement plant uh, that just finished, uh, that just built uh, a, few, a few last month actually. So you can see uh, this preliminary assessment of the archeological sites that most of them are really close to these massive, I, and I repeat, massive cement plants in this very small valley. Some of these, uh, as I said, some of these facilities are very, very close. Here is one example of uh, a small, uh, probably middle, middle Bronze Age uh, archaeological site called Hayasi, which is uh, just four, a little bit more than 400 meters away from this uh, Lafarge Cement Company, which is one of the biggest ones in the valley. Um, Also another important destruction factor are their clay quarries which are dispersed throughout the valley and in some cases reach more than five meters deep. Uh, New ones are still being dug uh, and there has been no survey, uh, previous survey uh, in the areas that they are being uh, deployed. And um, in 2013 we actually identified an already damaged site located next to Bazian, the modern village. Uh, It's very close to the road to Kirkuk, and after visiting it, it was clear that the damage had been done quite recently, and with heavy machinery. Uh, We alerted the director of antiquities back then, and the police was actually sent to address the situation. We are not sure who uh, was responsible for that. We suspect the local factories, which are nearby, uh, yet, unfortunately, uh, when we came back this year, we noticed that, uh, yet again, uh, the more soil has been extracted uh, from, this, uh, from this site, which is probably a Ubaid site. Since the beginning of the project, we have tried to come up with strategies to address this issue of endangered heritage, and uh, at the same time, use that to promote public awareness and, and also outreach activities. In this sense, we try to develop digital documentation, specifically 3D recording, which uh, at the same time would allow us to, among other things, create virtual collections and visits. Um, This was all achieved by using a combination of different technologies, such as laser scanning, photogrammetry, drones, also 3D modeling, 3D printing, and virtual reality. So I will show in practice uh, in practice, this started at the first level with uh, by using this uh, this small uh, and cheap consumer drone. Um, at the, at, so, for the site at the site and excavation level, uh, we have made extensive use of it uh, to um, document the, um, the the whole excavation process and the archaeological uh, levels. And thanks to this uh, piece of equipment, we have been able to quickly perform almost daily captures that have proven to be quite uh, a valuable tool, not only for documenting the entire excavation process, but also it has been an important aid for the stratigraphical interpretation, as it is possible to relate already excavated features with the new ones. these captures are uh, uh, quite fast to perform. They usually take five from, te- from five to 10 minutes um, and have uh, millimetric accuracy uh, when used with control points, of course. Um, they also have the advantage of the models being readily available in the same day. So usually in the afternoon, I, I was able this season to process four to five models immediately in the afternoon and they, they would become available. One of the biggest advantages of this recording system is the possibility to produce geo-referenced orthophotos, which can then be used on GIS software for mapping purposes, which is of course essential to archeological investigation. This has allowed us, for instance, to resort to traditional field drawing only on very special occasions, uh, which greatly increased the speed of, of the excavation and the efficiency of the excavation. Um, as an example, we were able, for instance, to document uh, graphically 25 uh, Islamic burials in just a matter of a couple of days, using drawing directly on the GIS. For the site level, in terms of uh, the scale of the sites, we were also able to create these photorealistic 3D models of the sites with an accuracy of about 2 centimeters. Um, Each of these surveys, uh, so you have an idea, takes, took about 20 minutes to perform on the field, so it's quite fast. Now, this opens up several possibilities uh, uh, to have these detailed 3D models of the site. One of them is the comparison between uh, the the monitor, uh, the damage being done on the site. You can see here is the comparison between our a 3D model of the site in 2015, and our 3D model of the site made two months ago. ago. And you can see from that, what you can see, I have adjusted the scale so you can uh, easily see what's in red, it's what has been added to the site, more than one meter, and what's in blue, it's what has been removed from the site, more than one meter. And by looking at that, you have an, an analytical tool to actually see our trenches. They are quite clear on the, what we have excavated this year in blue uh, from the photo and on the analytical map, and also in terms of site damage. Uh, I just want to draw your attention to this uh, cut which was made this year, so quite recently. Uh, there was a small fire also this, at the site, but what I want you to show you is this cut which was made to make a platform for people to stand on Uh, This cut is also, which is a small one, is also visible on this uh, analytical map uh, with the blue thing being the part that was cut and the red to the left being the soil being deposited there to make a platform. So this is actually, uh, this is just a preliminary test that we've been working on, but you can see also on that area that the farmer has plowed even more into the lower town. All that blue strip means that the farmer went further, uh, further in the direction of the site for his, uh, for his uh, rice crop. So we can really, in just two very quick uh, surveys being done, compare and monitor precisely the damage that has, been, has, has occurred to the site. In terms of the artifacts, uh, 3D, 3D documentation was also carried out, uh, but this time at the dig house in most of the times in less than ideal conditions, using different techniques and the combination of both photogrammetry and laser scanning. If you have any questions about the details, then we can uh, talk later. Uh, but I must say that lately, we have fully adopted photogrammetry as it proved to be more versatile, much, much cheaper, and it also creates uh, more realistic results in general. Uh, Here you have, uh, uh, so these are 3D, a couple of, uh, some 3D models from uh, our most interesting, some of our most interesting artifacts uh, that we have done using photogrammetry. So just from 40 to 50 photos of the the artifacts, you can see here a video uh, of, of them. But they are also available freely on our website in an interactive way. You can rotate, zoom in on these websites, on these uh, 3D models on our website. Uh, One of the also interesting uh, outputs of these 3D models is the use of uh, this for uh, uh, detailed uh, documentation. You can see that from the photo and then the 3D model, we can use the 3D model to apply surface filters, uh, which enhance the details of the surface. And then we actually produced our drawings of the seal impressions from this 3D models which have been worked, processed uh, with these surface filters. This was done in open source software, so it's freely available to, to, to everyone. These 3D models are, are not only a valuable analytical tool, but can also be an important tool towards digital preservation, or at least digital documentation as Dr. Robert uh, Buley mentioned yesterday. Uh, as I said, all of these uh, artifacts trenches, contexts, burials, and the site itself, they are freely available in 3D in our website. So uh, we will still be adding more with the results of this season. Um, Another advantage of these 3D models is that you can, we were able to use them to produce uh, exact replicas, sometimes uh, uh, at uh, at scaled replicas, uh, as in the case of the site itself, we have made a, a, a small uh, maquette of the, of the site three, with a 3D, again, a very cheap 3D printer. Uh, and we've also produced replicas of, of, the, of the objects and we keep printing them. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't bring them. Uh, and we have used these actually to make a couple of small, very low cost exhibitions uh, in Portugal. Uh, so far, we just started this year, uh, and as you can see, we have used this 3D replicas um, of the of the sites with a, a data show projection uh, with the texture of the in the maquette, and also the objects that people can handle. It's they are free to handle them. Um, also, we have transformed. Oh, this changed the animation. It was not supposed to be this, but uh, this uh, we have uh, put. Kanishai and the, and the excavation in a virtual world using game engine software. And it is now possible to visit, virtually visit uh, our excavation. And we have added information for, for the visitor. Uh, so we have a, a, um, a software, an app, which you can download again freely on our website and you can use it on, your, on for PC or, or Mac. And you can navigate through our excavation from 2015. Uh, in the valley, so we have incorporated the valley in the landscape, and we also also incorporated some objects which are on display, the place where they were excavated from, so they are in context. Advantage of this, and I'm just finishing, is that we have used also in our exhibition, uh, this app is compatible with virtual reality glasses, and they are um, interesting for, for, not so much for us archaeologists, but especially for the public, because they provide uh, a more immersive, a more realistic experience. So actually, we tried to, and I think we have achieved a little bit, to make people, at least in Portugal, to visit Kanishai, which was so far uh, uh, impossible to do in, uh, in, um, in another way. Um, Finally, I think I'm on time still, Um, I would just like to finish by saying that we are currently uh, developing a joint project with, again, the EFPO and the Directorate of Antiquities of Slimania to extend our work, not only to the site, but actually to the entire valley. Um, This will hopefully include, uh, if it comes to terms, it will hopefully include aerial surveys, field surveys, Uh, Site protection, which is uh, essential in this case, and also we will try to um, to to do some events to engage the local community and try to raise awareness, but that we already know will be quite challenging because uh, actually the majority of the population of this valley is and are unfortunately IDPs. So which makes it even more difficult to uh, try to engage them with a, a an history which is not really um the one they, 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 they know they have they have known.